All right, my people, this is your man, L. Jamal, and once again, this is another edition of Never Out of Bounds. You know this is, sec- this is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. Now, I have been gone for a couple of days. I got a few days. Well, just got a couple of days off from work. I'm on my, my little weekend here. I decided to get my rest up, uh, re-energize myself, so I am back at it. Uh, this is, like I said, this is a Tuesday night edition, so let's get right into it with the war on the street like we always do. Well, we have have some some national natural disasters going on in the state of California my home right now we have a, f- a few firewalks wildfires excuse me going off we have one in the la and ventura county areas also one up north in butte county in the town of town of paradise uh so far 42 people have been killed and that's in paradise about 18 people have been killed in the southern california area uh there are about up to 200 people still missing uh fires in northern california begin last thursday uh, they may have been caused by faulty uh power lines now in um in LA, the fire was 0% contained last week. Now it is up to about 90%. It's about only 20%, uh, about or 20 to 30% contained in Northern California, and up to 100,000 acres have burned. Uh, Southern California's uh, Southern California, the winds in Santa in the Santa Ana, Santa Ana area, excuse me, uh, spread the the uh, sorry the fire about 70,000 acres in about two days. So it was destroyed very destructive uh very quick moving uh, about 6700 uh, structures homes and businesses included were destroyed uh like i said people are still missing power still off for at least 25000 uh residents in southern and northern california uh there is some news stories that i caught today uh more so about people coming back to the there's their homes in the Southern California area and dealing with some of the destruction. Uh, there was also a story that I came across that people were allowed to come back to their neighborhoods, but then re forced to reevacuate because there were sparks in the Southern, like I said, in the Southern California area now that are uh, starting more fires. So brand new fires are cropping up. So there's a lot of, a lot of danger out there, guys. You know, if you want to be safe, stay away from the fire, of course, evacuate if you can. Uh, of course, not only do you have to deal with the actual smi- fire, when there's always fire, there's smoke. That smoke has traveled all throughout the state. I know it's in the I know it's in the Bay Area. Uh, it was really bad the, uh, the past couple of days over the weekend as well. So uh, if you guys aren't used to, you know, if you guys, you know, you guys have breathing issues or anything like that, make sure you wear a mask or if it bothers you, uh, don't be ashamed to put on a mask. And, um, you know, be aware of the elements and be safe and also send a prayer out to those people. All right, y'all. So we have some more news here. Uh, this is coming from Florida. Uh, they officially started a recount at the end of the last at the end of the last week, about Sunday, Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning. Actually, uh, they have races in about 67 counties that were too close to call, especially in the state, uh, the state Senate and also the governor race. Uh, two Senate races were still left undecided. Uh, Rick Scott was uh, had his league cut to just 12,600 votes. Andrew Gilliam had his, uh, well, he was down, uh, by a significant amount that, uh, that margin went down to 33,600 votes. And that was enough to, 
make him want to retract his concession against Ron DeSantis. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you guys in a little bit on that as far as that goes. And finally, before I let you guys go uh, for a break, I wanted to talk a little bit about Stan Lee. Uh, we already know uh, the great comic book artist uh, and writer for a long time. Marvel, he gave us Marvel, Spider-Man, X-Men, Black Panther, uh, Thor, of course, all those guys. And, um, you know, make believe or not, this was a lot of creativity. This was a lot of imagination. I'm no, I'm not, I haven't always been a, a, a in-depth comic book person, but I do respect people's artwork. I do respect that he shared his talents with the world. And it just sucks to see uh, one of those great people go. But he was a great artist. As far as I know, he was a decent human being. And uh, his definitely his art lives on through the movies that we see today. So uh, before I let you guys go, uh, let's give a one one last shout out to your man, Stan Lee. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. All right, y'all. We're going to come back with a quick from a quick break. And uh, we're going to be going over some boxing. I want to go over some of the uh, highlights over the last weekend. We had uh, cruiserweight action, like I said. And I wanted to pre preview the big-time heavyweight championship, uh, uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay uh, Wilder. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. So we are back. Like I said, we're going to go over some boxing that we had over the weekend. And like I said, we had a... True cruiserweight battle, cruiserweight championship battle. Your boy Alexander Usyk, uh, he is 16 in zip uh, with 12 knockouts. Uh, he went up against Tony Bellew, uh, straight out of Britain. Uh, this ended in eight rounds. Uh, Usyk won by t uh, TKO. Bellew was 30 and two going into this fight with uh, 20 knockouts. This was Bellew's last fight. Uh, he decided to retire after this one. Got his. Got his ass whooped. And like I said, this was a championship bout. This was for the, uh, the WBA Super uh, Cruiserweight, the WBC belt as well, the IBF. Uh, and all these these belts, uh, Usyk pretty much won in a matter of about a year or so. Uh, he had the WBO uh, pretty much. Uh, that was his first title he got. That was about maybe two or three years ago. But uh, he's definitely been on a roll in the past couple of years as a been a lot said about him and his potential jump to heavyweight. He's just, uh, of course, and there's also an article that came out on ESPN right now. I morning, you know, I would put money on it. it was written by Dan Rayfield, one of their head boxing writers. Uh, but he's definitely being pegged as one of the best cruiserweight, uh, you know, cruiserweight fighters of all time. Uh, now, mind you, uh, cruiserweight is one of those, you know, transient divisions this is a division right uh between super middleweight which is 168 and then uh actually i'm sorry light heavyweight which would be 175 and then you have heavyweight which is on the other end of 200 uh, like i said cruiserweight that weight limit is about 205 so small uh smaller guys 180 190 of course 200 uh those guys so again uh going into this fight uh, Bellew was looking strong. He had four straight KOs. Uh, definitely one of those power hitters. Uh, I would say overrated club fighter. I, I I know a lot of people get mad about that. He's a bar fighter, dude. Doesn't really bring a lot to the table. He comes straight forward in the line, and uh, he hopes to knock you out every time. And you know that's something that 
Usyk has already seen and uh, definitely done better by a couple of his other opponents. And I'll get into that just now. And one thing uh, about Usyk is that he's definitely gone through the top tier of the cruiserweight division. Uh, his most recent win was against Murat Gasayev uh, for the uh, IBF title. Uh, Gasayev was undefeated headed into that fight. A pretty decent knockout ratio, uh, knockout overall win ratio. A very strong fighter out of Russia. Uh, fighting out of uh, fighting out of Florida at the moment, uh, but Usyk just got in there, uh, boxed him, moved in and out, uh, moved very well on his feet, and gave him a lot of different angles and boxed uh, boxed his way to a victory. And uh, I wasn't necessarily I didn't necessarily count his power out, uh, but since I hadn't seen it flashed. Uh, flashed his shit i didn't know he had it like that but uh he definitely took uh tony billy to the brink i would normally go over the punch stats but since it ended by knockout we already know how it was won there's no reason to you know beat a dead horse uh but again about the top tier competition for Usyk, he also went through uh maurice uh Brides, which was which who was also the former uh wbc title holder this is who he won that belt from and again he took out marco huck uh now marco huck is probably uh, gonna go down if if Usyk will be the greatest uh, cruiserweight of all time Marco Huck will definitely be the second greatest uh, cruiserweight there ever was he's probably one of the longest reign title holders in that division uh, most wins at that division so on and so forth uh, so he's definitely went through the top uh, the contenders and the belt holders of that uh, of that weight class. Uh, this was nothing for uh, Usyk. He kind of went in there and handled his business uh, again. Uh, you know, there's a lot that can be. That's a lot that's being said about him moving up. Uh, you know, and speaking of which, he's gonna have to go through. You know, one of these guys potentially. Uh, I'm gonna talk about their fight coming up. We got Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Both these guys are undefeated. Both these guys are giants. Uh, Tyson Fury stands at 6'9", 257, although he's lost a good amount of weight now, looking really svelte and uh, really in shape, has me motivated, uh, sent out a really thoughtful uh, Twitter post today, uh, just telling people to keep up the good, keep up their fight, keep working, keep believing, uh, you know, using his, using his uh, situation as, you know, as fuel for people and uh for those who don't know i'll drop a little bit of uh backstory on tyson fury real quick uh tyson fury at one point in time about three years ago to be exact uh to 2015 he was on top of the heavyweight world he had just beaten uh vladimir klitschko who was one of the best heavyweights of this division of this era meaning going back to about 2000 2001 uh in a really wide margin you know uh, decision victory uh, it wasn't the most exciting fight uh, but you can tell Tyson had a, a, a superior skill set and he went to work on the older Klitschko uh, again he's standing at a record of 27 and 0 with 19 kills so he does have power and again you know he's put in so much work for this fight you can tell uh, again uh, but going more back into this fight back in the time uh, afterwards uh, he took it a lot of that to his head. He took a lot of the success to his head. Um, he got really out of shape. Uh, he got into drinking and alcohol. Uh, he got into drugs. 
and uh, he was forced to vacate. Well, he actually decided to relinquish his titles. And uh, I think it's big of him to do that. I think it gave him an extra bit of motivation. I think if somebody would have had to strip it from him uh, again, there would would have been the potential that he's, you know, lashing out at the, uh, you know, at the, you know, at boxing officials or promoters or just lashing out the sport as opposed to actually going deep inside and, and changing, changing himself. Uh, he himself realized he had a problem. And again, he stepped away from the sport for a couple of years, uh, which I give him, uh, which especially what, what I've seen now, uh, he definitely needs to get the win, but to see him come back, uh, definitely get his body into the shape that it's in now. Uh, and he was significantly overweight coming into uh, coming back into the ring. Significantly overweight, significantly slower, uh, but he's definitely gotten that back together. Uh, so definitely he has me motivated. Uh, I want to work out looking at, you know, what he's able to do. He has me motivated to work out tomorrow first thing in the morning. Uh, speaking about Deontay Wilder, uh, he's also come a long way as well. Uh, he was in the 2008 Olympics. Uh, now, he uh, is also undefeated, you know, 40-0, 39 knockouts, uh, you know, great power. Uh, there is a lot to be said about his technique. Uh, however, uh, there was at one time a lot to be said about Tyson Fury. Uh, if, if if you guys ever get a, get a chance, look it up. Tyson Fury is the only boxer I know that has hit himself in the ring. So uh, this is this is a fight where you have two individuals that come up that that have come a long way within their within their sport, uh, within their respective journey, and just in terms of building themselves together, building their their craft up and also getting their bodies together and not one point have I seen well Deontay uh, definitely has always been in shape uh, 6 7 2 27 always been uh, pretty athletic I will always give him that uh, but definitely with Tyson Fury you can see where he's putting the work uh, both these guys are putting the work I've seen a couple of these guys a little bit of the guy, these guys is training camps Deontay Wilder as well is looking to bring some new things into the ring uh, and uh, with the way both these guys can hit, one punch might, you know, be all you need in the heavyweight division. And it'll be a good chance to see where the sport is at in terms of its popularity. Because, again, this has always been the marquee division, the heavyweight division. This has always usually been uh, the the division where all the best fighters of all of all time come out of. Uh, so a good, it'll be a good chance to see uh, just how much how much time has changed uh you know or if anything has changed is boxing still the sport that it, it is uh of course we're dealing with a new generation uh now with that being said uh i know we've been talking about these two names we also can't forget about anthony joshua who is gonna more than likely fight the winner of this title fight again this is for the wbc heavyweight title this is going to be december the first so you know Anthony and Josh is going to have a, a chance to fight one of these winners, and uh, hopefully uh, that fight will be the, be even a bigger fight. That's the hope. Uh, so with that being said, y'all, we're going to take another quick break, and we're going to get back into some NFL, actually some college football first. We're going to get over go over the scores over the weekend. Also, we're going to go over the conference standings as well in the Power Five conferences, in the major conferences, and then we're going to go over uh, just some uh, just couple just a little bit of the conference playoff uh sorry not the conference playoff but the playoff picture uh for postseason uh for the for the uh for college football so we'll be right back y'all all right all right y'all 
we are back. So let's get into it. We got some top uh, 25 scores from over the weekend. Uh, starting with NC State, they went down to Wake Forest and uh, took an L. Uh, 23 to 27 is your final score. Uh, we have Syracuse, number 13 in the nation, giving a good beating beating to uh, Louisville, 54 to 23. We got uh, number 27, uh, number 23, excuse me, Fresno State going down to Boise, uh, 17 to 14. Uh, we also got. Uh, UCF Central Florida number 12 in the nation getting that good old W against the Navy 35 to 24 uh, we got West Virginia number nine in the nation coming up again against Texas Christian aka TCU 47 to 10 we got Penn State number 20 in the nation taking down Wisconsin 22 to 10 uh, we got Florida uh, had a close game here. They had a close call against uh, South Carolina. Florida came into this game number 15. They are still ranked at number 15. Let's talk a little bit about this game here. Uh, like I said, you know, this was a close game. Uh, South Carolina did have a lead going into the fourth. But uh, they gave up 14 unanswered points. That was just enough for Florida to sneak back into it. But let's get through these stats. Jake, uh, Jake Bentley led the way passing for South Carolina, 18 for 28, 239 yards, two touchdowns. He also threw an interception, and he also had a rushing touchdown as well. In terms of rushing, A.J. Turner led the way with 81 yards. Uh, Rico Dowdle also had a touchdown. And on receiving, we have Debo Samuel getting 120 yards through the air and also so two tight ends were able to get touchdowns, Kyle Markway and also Jacob August. And on defense, they got help from linebacker T.J. Brunson, who had 16 total tackles and two sacks. Also defensive back R.J. Roderick had nine total tackles. Off to Florida, Felipe Franks, uh, he went 15-21 for 161 yards. He also had a touchdown. Jordan Scarlett had 159 yards rushing, and LaMichael P. Ryan had 107 uh, yards and two touchdowns on the ground. In terms of receiving, uh, Kadarius Toney, the, uh, the running back, excuse me, got 33 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, they got helped out by linebacker David Reese, who had 10 total tackles. Again, it was, a, like I said, it was a close game. Tough fought game from both from both teams. South Carolina did have a shot to win it. Uh, again, uh, just turnovers. Turnovers will, will, will lose a game for anybody. And Florida, they make it out of there again. They, they keep their top 15 spot. Uh, of course, they're looking to next year to probably challenge uh, for the East. At this point, 7-3, they'll be given a decent ball game. But, of course, no conference championship yet. Uh, moving on, uh, we got number uh, 11, Kentucky. They went down to Tennessee 24-7. to Number 8, Washington State got a much-needed win against Colorado 31-7. to Number 10, Ohio State was able to beat Michigan State 26-7, to uh, pushing ahead for their matchup against Michigan. That will pretty much decide the Big Ten. Uh, we have Baylor also. Uh, they went down to uh Iowa State, uh, number 22 Iowa State gets that win, 28-14. to 14. Uh, Alabama shuts out another top-ranked opponent, Mississippi State, 24-zip. to zip. Alabama just keep on being number one. We also got Oklahoma barely beating out their rival, Oklahoma State, 48-7 in the Bedlam game. Let's talk a little bit about that game as well. Uh, Oklahoma State, 
Uh, they were led by Taylor Cornelius through the air, who had thirty, who went for thirty-four fifty-three, five hundred and one yards, and also three touchdowns on the ground. Chuba Hubbard led the way with hundred and four yards and three touchdowns. I think that's a unique name, and my name is El Jamal. But let's get into it. We got Justin Hall. He also got a touchdown as well. In terms of receiving, Tylon Wallace, he had 10 catches, 220 yards, and two touchdowns. God damn, that boy was all over the place. We also got Tyron Johnson, who got 11 catches for 128 yards and also a touchdown as well. And on defense, they were helped out by their two safeties. Uh, Kenneth Edison Magruder had 12 total tackles and two sacks. And also Malcolm Rodriguez had 12 total tackles as well. Uh, as far as Oklahoma, of course, they were led by Kyler Murray, who went 21-29, 349 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, in terms of rushing, Kennedy Brooks led the way. He had 165 yards and three touchdowns. And also, Trey Sermon had 124 yards and two touchdowns. Oklahoma can score either way. It don't matter. Receiving-wise, the receiving wise, Marquise Brown led the way. He had, a, he had 142 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, they were led by cornerback Trey Brown round who had six total tackles uh oklahoma moves on to nine and one oklahoma state moves on to uh, five and five again oklahoma i don't like that defense you know if they I, I, even if they were to get to the top four to somehow creep there i don't see how great they would look up there anyways that defense is terrible i don't like that defense i don't like a defense that gives up that many points to somebody who's not even ranked but I digress. I digress. Moving on, we're going to wrap these scores up real quick. We got uh, Michigan beating down on Rutgers, 42-7. We also got number 24, Auburn, beating, uh, actually losing to Georgia, 10-27. Georgia's still number five in the nation. They're looking to hopefully make themselves back in the picture. They'll have to win that conference championship game in a couple weeks, though. At number seven, we have LSU. They were able to get the win against Arkansas, 24-7. Uh, we got number three, Notre Dame, beating the shit out of Florida State, 42-13. I'm just going to call it like it is. And then also we got number 19, Texas, getting the win against Texas Tech, 41-34. Pretty decent game on the road. For them, pretty good road win. They're going to have to win out if they, well, if they want at least to have a chance at their conference. And I'm talking about Texas. And uh, finally, we got Clemson beating uh, Boston College. Number two, Clemson wins that game 27-7. Boston College came into that game number 17. I still believe that they're ranked at this point. Uh, again, another solid win for Clemson. Clemson keeps moving on. They're number two in the nation. There's no doubt about it. All right, y'all. So let's get into these conference standings. Of course, like I said, I was going to start with the Power Five conferences, meaning the Pac-12, SEC, so on and so forth. Uh, next episode, we'll uh, wrap it all up with the uh, the minor conferences or the mid-major conferences. But uh, we'll finish these up tomorrow. But uh, to give you guys a good start, uh, let's start with the ACC. Uh, in the Atlantic Division, we got Clemson on top. They are 10-0 overall, 7-0 in conference play. We got Syracuse coming in second. They are 5-2, I'm sorry, 8-2 overall, 5-2 in conference play. We have Boston College, who's 7-3 overall, 4-2 in conference play. Then we have NC State, headed up the fourth place spot. They are 6-3 overall, 3-3 in the conference. We have Wake Forest. They are 5-5. Five uh in uh sorry five and five in the overall play three and three and i'm sorry three and two in conference play or excuse me 
Ooh, they're also three and three in conference play. Excuse me, I'm all I'm all messed up here. Sorry. Uh, we have at six Florida State. They are four and six overall, two and five in conference play. And finally, we have Louisville bringing up the rear. They're two and eight overall, zero and seven in conference play. Moving on to the Coastal Division, we have Pittsburgh on top. They are six and four overall, five and one in conference play. Next, we got Virginia. They are seven and three overall, four and two in conference play. Up comes Georgia Tech. They are four. Four and three in the conference, six and four, uh, six and four overall. Now we got Virginia Tech, four and five overall, three and three in conference play. Duke is also three and three in conference play, but they're seven and three overall. At six we have Miami. They are at five and five, two and four in conference play. And bringing up the rear here, we have uh, North Carolina, who's one and eight overall. 1-6 in conference play. Moving on to the Big 12, we got West Virginia on top. They are 8-1 overall, 6-1 in conference play. Next, we got Oklahoma, 9-1 overall, 6-1 also in conference play. Here comes Iowa State. Had a big year so far. 6-3 uh, overall, 5-2 in conference play. Again, they don't really necessarily – they wouldn't – in normal years, they don't necessarily have a record like this, is what I'm saying. At number four, we have Texas. We they're seven and three, five and two in conference play. Next, we have Texas Tech, five and five, three and four in conference. We have Baylor coming up in six. They they are five and five overall, three and four in conference play. Next, we got TCU, aka Texas Christian University, four and six overall, two and five in conference play. Next, we got OK State, who could have had a a monumental upset, five and five overall, two and five in conference play. And at the bottom, we have the two Kansas squads: Kansas State four and six overall, Kansas three and seven overall, and uh, Kansas State is two and six in conference play. And Kansas, I'm sorry, Kansas State is two and six in conference play, and Kansas is one and six. Let's get on to the Big Ten. Uh, starting in the Eastern Division, we got Michigan on top, nine and one in, in overall play, seven and zero in the conference. Of course, they have that big Week One loss to Notre Dame. They've been looking a lot better since. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have an opportunity to win, I believe, to win the Big Ten in a couple weeks. They'll be playing Ohio State. The winner of that game, I believe, beats the Western Conference uh, representative in the championship game. This is why I'm saying this is the de facto title game coming up. Uh, like I said, Ohio State is second in the division, uh, second in the conference overall. Uh, they are 91 over with their overall record and six and one at their conference record. At three, we have Penn State, who's nine and three. Uh, sorry, sorry, not nine and three, seven and three overall, four and three in conference play. Michigan is six and four, also four and three in conference play. Uh, we have Mich uh, we have Maryland, who's five and five overall. They're three and four in conference play. And in case you haven't known, I forgot to report it to you guys myself, but they have let go of DJ Durkin, so they have they've taken one step into the right direction they're looking to get a little bit better in uh six we have indiana who's also five and five overall but are two and five in conference play and we're gonna have the rear in the what in the eastern division we have records one and nine overall zero and seven in uh conference play moving on to the big 10 west uh we have northwestern on top six and four overall play six and one in conference play uh they have a really stout defense they just don't have enough offense to generate points to get those upset wins so I, that's how i'm going to keep it with them right there uh really great defense i saw them play um michigan really hard for about 
four and a half, about three and a half quarters. Uh, but again, they just could not score to get it done. And they need you need points in uh in this league. You'll need it in the next level too. But uh, Northwestern can't score. But uh, moving on, we have Purdue uh, second place. They're five and five overall, four and three in conference play. Here comes Wisconsin at three, six and four overall, four and three in conference play. We have Iowa, who's six and four overall as well, but they're three and four in conference play. Minnesota's five and five. Uh, 50% overall, but two and five in the conference. We have Illinois. They are four and six overall, two and five in the conference. And bringing up the rear, who's a team who's had a very bad past couple of years, Nebraska. They're three and seven overall, two and five in the conference. Let's get to the Pac-12, starting in the North Division. We got Washington State on top. They are nine and one overall, six and one in conference play. We have Washington at number two. They are seven and three overall, five and two in conference. Uh, three. We have Stanford, who's six and four. Oregon is also six and four in conference play. However, Stanford is four and three in conference play. Uh, and Oregon is three and four in conference conference play. Uh, we also have Cal, who is six and four in conference play, but they I'm sorry, six and four in overall play, but they are three and four in their conference. And bringing up the rear, we have Oregon State, who's two and eight overall, one and six in conference. Uh, moving on to the South, the Pac-12 South, we have Utah on top. They are seven and three overall. Five and three in the conference. All their losses have come in the conference. That ought to tell you something right there. This conference is not to be played with. Arizona's uh, five and five, four and three in conference. Arizona State is six and four, four and three in conference play. USC, uh, down year, it's supposed to be a lot better than this. Five and five overall, four and four in conference play. Colorado is at fifth. They are five and five overall, two and five in conference play. And then we have UCLA at the bottom. They are two and eight overall, two and five in the conference. Another rough year for them and their new coach, Chip Kelly. Good luck, guys. Uh, we are finally we are at the SEC. Uh, SEC, excuse me. Starting with the SEC East, uh, we have Georgia on top. They are ninety-one overall, seven and one in conference play. Here comes Big Bad Florida, who is seven and three. The Gators are also five and three in conference play. Here comes Kentucky, seven and three overall, five and three in conference play. Again, all their losses have come in conference play as well. At number four, we have South Carolina, five and four overall. Four and four in conference play. At fifth, we have Tennessee, who's five and five, two and four in conference play. Six is Missouri, six and four overall, two and four in conference play. And then at the bottom, we have Vanderbilt, who's four and six in overall play, one and five in the conference. And then in the West, we already know about Alabama. Not much that needs to be said. They are number one in this division, number one in this conference, number one in this nation. Ten and zero overall, seven and zero in conference play. Next, we got. LSU, who is eight and two overall, five and two in the conference. Texas A&M is six and four, four and three in the conference. Here comes Auburn at number four, who's also six and four, but they are three and four in the conference. Next, we got Mississippi State, who's also six and four overall, but they are two and four in the conference. We have Ole Miss coming up at six, who's five and five, one and five in conference play. And finally, at the bottom, we have Arkansas, who is overall two and eight and zero and six in the conference. Now, 
Uh, before we wrap everything up, like I said, we're going to go over these playoff rankings. We are getting near the end of the season. Uh, let's go through it real quick. We got Alabama, of course. We've already talked about them. They are 10-0. and 0. Uh, this, They had two consecutive shutouts of ranked opponents. Last week, it was 24-zip uh, against Mississippi State. We already know about their win the week before against LSU, who was a top five, well, at the time, in the top four for the national yeah, for the national championship. And uh, this team just keeps moving along. Too powerful, both sides of the ball. Uh, like I said, shutout, that means that that defense is coming to play. So for two straight weeks, they've given up zero points. <sighs> too much. Too much for you guys. Uh, number two, we have Clemson. They are also 10-0. Uh, one note to take away from them, though, is their Heisman hopeful. Travis Atien has been quiet. He only, let, he only got about 58 yards last week. He's been struggling to kind of... Have one of those breakout games. I don't think he's necessarily had one as of yet, uh, but they definitely have a chance to keep uh, to keep their winning streak as a team going. They will be going to Duke. Uh, I think that's going to be an easy win for them. So moving on, we have three. We have Notre Dame. They are better than you think. Off top, they've already beaten Michigan week one. They also beat Stanford week five. Of course, they uh, not their schedule hasn't come all the way around. Some of their uh, their opponents that should have been better or should have been ranked higher at some point in the season. they kind of fallen through, uh, but definitely better than you think. I definitely think they have a solid defense, a legitimate offense. And uh, outside of maybe the Vanderbilt game and the Pitt game, none of those games were that close. Uh, a lot of these people will tell you that, you know, over the last few weeks, Michigan has looked like a better football team. I don't think I can say that with a straight face, but that's just me. Um, we have four like I said, Michigan, they are 9-1. They still need to be I, I, sorry, Ohio State for me to be convinced. Um, I'm only, you know, I, I mean, I would only have them here. I only have them on my personal list uh, only because they're 9-1. Um, other than that, I don't think they need to be here just yet. They haven't proven anything to me. Uh, but, of course, you need a, a placeholder. So, for now, they're a placeholder. Uh, on the outside looking in, I'm going to talk about three teams. We have Georgia uh Oklahoma and LSU. Uh, we've already talked about Georgia a little bit. Uh, they are currently at 9-1, fifth in the nation. Uh, they are a shoe-in for the SEC East. Uh, that is their second chance at, you know, getting a potential a potential uh, playoff berth. Uh, again, we already know about them losing to Alabama earlier this year. Oh, I'm sorry, to LSU earlier this year. And, um, you know, mm, you know, they definitely, you know, like I said, they're definitely going to win the SEC East. Uh, the question is, how do they match up against Alabama? Because, again, that is their only ticket into this playoffs. Uh, at six, we have Oklahoma, who's also 9-1. They've given up 93 points in their last two conference wins. I don't see them winning another game, and I don't see them winning that conference. And I don't want to be a hater, but because of that, because of that ugly defense, I don't see them getting a top four spot this year. I don't even want to see them in the top six, not with that defense. I don't want to see it. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to see, I don't want to see 48 points given up on a legitimate top 25 squad. I think that's too much. I think when you're giving up 20 plus points, we're giving up 20, 30 points. You're no longer a top 25 team. I think you're a borderline team. So maybe top 15 for them is where I see them finishing this year, but definitely not six. Uh, at number seven, we have LSU. They are 82 overall. I'd rather put Washington State up here. I think Washington State is a much exciting team, much more exciting team to watch. Uh, I, you know, of course, they're going to give the edge in LSU because of the schedule, because they play in the SEC. 
Uh, they're gonna get a lot of props for that Alabama loss, but again, I rather take a team that has one loss over a team that has two. That's how I've always been. Uh, like I said, I like Washington State a lot better. They will have an opportunity to actually win their champion, their conference championship, win their conference. Uh, they'll be playing Washington, another ranked team, in a couple weeks. I like Washington State a lot better, but that's me, y'all. That's personally me. All right, y'all. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow with the rest of these standings, these conference standings. We're going to go over the, the other minor conferences. Uh, we'll also uh, go over whatever news comes up between now and then. So uh, we'll be right back with that. Uh, we'll be uh, When we come back from my break, I will be going over some NFL. We're going to be going over the, the scores from Sunday. Also, some Monday Night Football. And uh, we're going to have three takeaways from last week. So we'll be right back. All right, y'all. You know it don't stop. Uh, let's go over some NFL action from over the weekend. Uh, let's start off with the Redskins beating the Buccaneers 16-3. Redskins trying to keep whatever hopes they got alive. It's a win. It's a W. They get their sixth. Moving on. We got the Chiefs beating the Cardinals. Not much to say here. The young guy... The young gun, Mahomes, gets it done again. Cardinals falling apart. We knew that going into the season. Uh, yeah, again, moving on. We got the Bills beating down on the Jets, 41-10. Both of these guys suck, just like the Jets suck a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit more about them in a second. Uh, we got the Jags losing another one to the Colts. Again, they're falling apart faster than you can say Saxonville. I don't know, but they look trash. They're going to be garbage for a while. Uh, we have the Bears getting another win, 34-22 to against the Lions. We have the Bengals beating the living, oh, just turning the Bengals into pussycats, 51-14. to let's, let's move on. We got the Titans getting upset against the Patriots, 34-10. to And let's go over this game here. Uh, this game surprised me. I was not expecting this win. Uh I really wasn't, especially this score right here coming from the Titans. But uh, let's go over these stats real quick. Uh, we have Brady going 21 to 20, uh, 21 to 41, 254 yards, and again, no touchdowns. Uh, this is really weird to me because again, you know, well, I've heard. I mean, I've heard. You know, like a couple days ago, I heard Colin Cop, uh, Colin Cowherd talk about this. Excuse me. And he goes, well, it's happened before, you know, uh, Tom Brady, this and all that. But they went on to win a Super Bowl, this, that and the other. But again, how often does it happen in a season where Tom Brady doesn't throw any touchdowns? I've never seen Tom Brady. Now, again, you know, I, this is I mean, I, I haven't. It's been a while since I've been in and out, you know, following boss scores every night or every week, uh, every weekend to follow up on these games. So it's been a while since I've looked at, you know, all these box scores until now, until me, you know, starting this podcast and going on and doing this. But, you know, I've never come across or I've never even for that matter, I've never even least heard of a game or watched highlights of a game in which Tom Brady did not throw any touchdowns. To me, I, people might be saying it's all right. You know, it happens every now and again. I'm thinking it's a sign. I'm not going to just jump on that, you know, they're done bandwagon. I've been doing that for the last couple of years, too. I was wrong about the Steelers. I did that with them as well. But again, it's something, it's just, I, I don't, it's weird to me not seen Tom Brady score a touchdown at this point in his career. He's way too smart. He's not playing against, you know, a great Titans defense. How does that how does that not happen? 
but anyways, in terms of running the ball, Sony Michelle uh, had 31 yards. Fullback James Devlin got a touchdown. And again, just overall, that offense really, in terms of scoring at least, was not there for the Patriots. You could tell uh, they moved the ball down the field with their receivers. Julian Edelman got 104 yards. Josh Gordon, uh, Josh Gordon got another 84 yards. But again, no touchdowns, no real touchdowns. This is this is really weird to me. And we're talking about week week 11 here. You know, come on now. This is. This is not Patriot football. You can say what you want. They might have done this in the past, but again, I've never seen Tom Brady have there's and this has not been the other game where he did not throw a touchdown. He also uh, did this a couple weeks ago against somebody that was not that great. I don't want to say the Bills, uh, but definitely was not against a team that did not have that great of a defense. So again, that zero in the touchdown column is weird to me. On defense, they were helped out by both of the linebackers, though. Uh, Kyle Van Noy had 12 total tackles, and also Elandon Roberts had six total tackles and a sack. As far as the Titans, uh, Mariota, their emerging young young quarterback, he went 16-24, 228 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, again, I don't know what the difference was in terms of preparation for each team. Uh, I know a lot has been said about Marcus Mariota and, you know, his skill set coming to the league, but we're talking week 11 and his third or fourth year. He's still in, he's still in the starting spot. He's still leading his team to wins. Uh, his team is first in their, well, second in their division. Uh, you can't say that for Jameis Winston. So uh, I think Rich Eisen, I, I talked about their little, uh, his little uh, tangent about those two guys last week. Maybe he, maybe there was some truth to that. Maybe there is no room for that argument anymore. Marcus Mariota has proven to be the superior quarterback to Jameis Winston, uh, at least so far. In terms of rushing the ball, Derrick Henry, the former Alabama product, got 58 total yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the former Patriot, Deion Lewis, also got 57 yards. In terms of receiving, uh, second-year receiver Corey Davis got seven yards, I mean, seven, seven catches, excuse me, 125 yards and a touchdown. And tight end Janu Smith also got a touchdown as well and on defense they were helped out by linebacker Wesley Woodard who had 10 total tackles and a sack and also cornerback former Patriot Logan Ryan who had six total tackles and a sack um one final takeaway from this game uh is you know again I I like I like Tennessee I mean I, I'm, I'm beginning to respect them I respect what they can do uh this this game definitely, you know, puts something. I hope it puts something in the minds of the Texans. Uh, they're not just going to be able to walk over the Titans. And uh, again, I'm just, I'm just more taken aback by the fact that Tom Brady, for the second time, for the second time this year, for the second time in this season, finished the game without touchdowns. Again, if this has happened before, somebody please let me know, just so I'm, I can let it go. I can get some sleep because I'm really conflicted. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said about him not scoring a touchdown. Maybe that's just me. That's just me. All right, moving on. Uh, we have the uh, Falcons. They went down to the Browns. Another surprising game that I want to talk about. Let's talk about this one, too. Uh, the Browns get the win in this one, 28-16. And I don't know what to make of the Falcons. Now, last week they had the thrashing 
uh, the beatdown of the Redskins in D.C. You know, Julio Jones, he makes a play. Their defense is smacking Washington receivers. They're getting hyped up. But again, they failed to get it done uh, against the uh, the Browns. I mean, yeah, the Browns. Uh, the Browns moved to four and five. Uh, the Falcons moved uh, moved to three. I'm sorry, the Falcons moved to four and five. Uh, the Browns moved to three six, and of course, they had that tie from week one. Crazy game. Uh, Matt Ryan, he goes 38 of 52, 330 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, of course, they got no balance on their offense. Tevin Coleman only got 44 yards rushing. Uh, in terms of receiving, Julio Jones had 107 yards and a touchdown. Tight end Austin Hooper also had 56 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, they were led by Devondre Cam- uh, Campbell, excuse me, who had eight total tackles. Again, I, I don't know what to make of this, this, this uh, Falcons team. You know, one week they're looking like they're back. They're looking like they might be able to maybe get a wild card. But, again, I didn't hop on to that week three uh, against the Redskins. The Redskins have a lot of different problems. And, again, we were able to see them kind of eke out another win. So, again, what can you really say that the Falcons accomplished this year? I, I, I don't know. There's a lot that needs to be said. Their coach might be on the on the uh, on the hot seat too. I think that seat is getting a little bit warm. As as uh, far as the Browns go, Baker Mayfield he went 17 to 20, a very good game, 216 yards and three touchdowns. So he's he's trying to get his skills up. I I definitely like this stat that stat line here. Uh, we do see that he's he's improving. Uh, definitely a good per- completion percentage, three touchdowns he scored. Can't take that from him. Uh, we have uh, Nick Chubb got 176 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, he also got a receiving touchdown as well. In terms of uh, other receivers for uh, for the Browns, Antonio Galloway also got 39 yards, and Duke Johnson and Rashard Higgins also got touchdowns. And on defense, they were helped out by Jamie Collins, who had nine total tackles. Again, um, you know, Browns came to play. They made the plays when they were supposed to make them. Baker Mayfield didn't turn the ball over. They ran the ball efficiently. This is balance. I'm telling you, if teams could do this every game, if if you can get your quarterback to score two to three touchdowns and your running back scores two to three touchdowns, that's four. That's four touchdowns. That's 28 points on average. That's not great, but again, come on, that's something. I mean, if you can't even, if your offense can't average 28, 30 points a game, I can't help you. I can't, I can't help you guys. Again, the Browns get it done again, and uh, the Falcons look like they are in all type of, of uh, assortment. Um, I can't, there's, can't win with them. I want winners. That's probably what Dan Quinn is thinking right now, but I don't think he's a winner either. But that's me. Moving on. The Chargers, all those dreaded Chargers. They get another win against my Raiders, 26-26. The Seahawks, uh, they come up just a little bit short again against the Rams, 31-36. The Dolphins beat the Packers, 12. I'm sorry, yeah, uh, 31-12. We also got the Niners losing to the Giants in Monday Night Football, 27-23. In the last game that I wanted to talk about, I, I'll save that for a little bit later. I'll save the, the details of that game for a little bit later. Uh, but the Sunday night matchup, of course, we had the Cowboys going at it with the Eagles. Uh, the Cowboys get that win, 27-20. Now, let's move on. Let's get to my three takeaways from Week uh, 11. Now, starting with number one, 
Todd Bowles, the Jets head coach, is on the hot seat. Okay, uh, this year he's three and seven. His record is not that much better than that overall. Uh, last week he lost forty-one to ten against the Bills, a game in which uh, what's his name? Oh, he's a former quarterback from SC, not Matt Matt Sanchez, came right after him. Oh, Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley tosses two touchdowns, has like 300 yards on something like that, and they just play all out of range. They're 23rd in points overall, uh, 29 in pass, and in the total yards in terms of offense, and they're 21st in overall defense. They give up 25 points a game. This is not their year, ladies and gentlemen, and a, and a loss to the Bills like that just is indicative of a team quitting on its head coach, and it's not a good sign. I'm sorry, it's a brother, and I and I like for brothers to have some type of success. I don't like to wish ill on anybody, uh, especially my brothers. But again, bro, you had a you had a while, and uh, not a whole lot changed in the uh, the other for the other team in New York. So uh, let's <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what goes on in the off season, but. I don't know how much time Todd Bowles has at that job, uh, but anyways, moving on. The uh, my second point: the NFC, the NFC East is still wide open. Washington has pretty much no offense, and they have a lot of injuries to their O line. Of course, they got the win last week, sixteen and three. But again, we don't know how long they can keep that up. In Dallas, Dak and or Jason Garrett sucks. And Jerry Jones needs to figure out who. He has a few more weeks of this season, and he has an entire offseason to get it fi- fixed. Or, or his, or that, or that franchise might not just win this year. They might not win for a very long time. And and finally, the Eagles—they've fallen off horribly this year. They're very non-consistent. And um, again. Uh, we saw that game a couple nights ago against the Cowboys, and they, you know, it's just it's just funny, you know, because these 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 uh these, some of these teams they have turnaround games, they win something, and then you look at the NFC East for what it was at the moment. You look at you know the Redskins taking their loss, and you look at you know the Cowboys taking their loss, and we're talking about the week before now. And, uh, you know, and you're looking at, you know, the Eagles. Well, they won the Super Bowl last year. They still have Carson Wentz. He's finally getting back into the mix. They're getting some of their injury injured guys back. And uh, they, they won a game the week before. And you're coming into this week, uh, Dallas Cowboys, you know, it, well, it could have been a crapshoot. It, it could have very well went 50-50. I don't know how people had this game picked. But, you know, I definitely wanted to give my, you know, my props to the Eagles for this game, but uh, apparently that didn't happen. Let's go through these stats real quick. Dak went 26-36 for 270 yards, a touchdown. He also ran for one as well. Uh, Zeke had 151 yards on the round. He had another touchdown, and he also caught one as well. And on uh, terms of you know uh, receiving, Amari Cooper, he was able to catch six passes, got 75 yards, so he's becoming a target. Uh, within that offense, so that's starting to look good as well. And on defense, we've already known that they had a great 
you know, Dallas had a you know solid defense. Leighton Van Der Esch has 13 total tackles and interception. Uh, safety Jeff Heath, he has eight total tackles. They're all over the place. Again, you know, I, you know, a solid game from both teams. Well, at least the Cowboys. But again, you're kind of you're kind of stuck on them. Like you don't know. I mean, again, both these guys are four and five. You know, and especially for the Eagles, you expected a lot better than this. I'm just saying. Um, speaking of them, Carson West, uh, Wentz, of course, he had a solid game. 32 of 44, 360 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but he has an interception there. Uh, Josh Adams, he had seven carries, 47 yards. Corey Clement had five carries, 13 yards. The reason why I talk about these two guys is to kind of show you there's no real balance there. You know, they were only able to get about 14 possibly 15 uh, rushing plays off in total so really no balance a lot of this was put on Carson Wentz's hands and of course he made his mistakes uh, in terms of receiving Zach Ertz had 14 catches 445 yards two touchdowns so we know he's a solid receiver he knows we know he's going to be an X factor moving on for them and uh, we also had Nelson Aguilar getting 83 yards on defense Nigel Bradham the linebacker helped them out with 10 total tackles they also got help out from linebacker Brandon Graham who had five total tackles in a sack and again you know <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get you really don't know what you're going to get. Redskins could lose again. Redskins could win this week. Uh, the Cowboys could win this week or lose this week. And the same thing for the Eagles. The only thing, the only thing that, the only, the only known consistent is that none of these teams are that great. And New York is trash. That's all we know about the NFCs, really. And uh, finally, Le'Veon Bell played itself. We don't need to go into the James Conner situation. We know what he's doing in Le'Veon Bell's absence. We already know how his teammates feel. The most prominent offensive linemen on his team have already basically, you know, have, you know, decided they want to block for James Conner for now and forever. And finally, after being asked by the media uh, about possibly not being able to coach Le'Veon again. Mike Tomlin says, so be it. Le'Veon, you played yourself. I don't know what your decision was. I don't know if he's decided to sign or whatever. The, you know, the last uh, article that I read told me that he had at least two hours from that moment in time to sign. I don't know at this moment what he has done, but he's played himself. Just know that much. He did himself no favors. I don't know what his future holds, but um, oh well, that's his problem. All right, y'all, we're going to take one last quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go over some NBA action. We're going to go over tonight's games. We're also going to go over the Eastern and Western Conference standings, and finally, we're going to go over that Jimmy Butler trade. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. I mean, we're going to wrap everything up for tonight. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, tonight's hoops uh, hoops action, uh, starting with the Cavs getting their second win of the season. Uh, they beat the Hornets tonight, 113 to 89. Uh, the Hornets moved down to 7 and 7. Uh, 
uh, Jeremy Land. Jeremy Lamb, excuse me, led the way for the Hornets with 22 points. Nick Batum also had 11 points and 5 rebounds. As far as the Cavs go, uh, Jordan Clarkson led the way with 24 points off the bench. Colin Sexton and Rodney Hood also had 16 points each. Uh, Tristan Thompson also had 11 points and 21 rebounds. You also got the Nuggets uh, beating the Rockets. 109. I'm sorry, the uh, the Rockets beating the Nuggets 109 to 99. Uh, the Rockets uh, move up to six and seven. The Nuggets are now at nine and five. James Harden led all scores in his game with 22 points. He also had 11 assists. Chris Paul also had 21 points. Clint Capella also had 24 points and nine rebounds. Uh, the, as far as the Nuggets go, point guard Monte Morris had 19 points. Points, nine assists. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris also had 15 points between the both of them. And finally, wrapping out some, uh, wrapping out tonight's games, uh, the Hawks go down to the Warriors, 110 to 103. Now, moving on, let's go to these standings. Starting with the Western Conference, and the Warriors, of course, are still on top, 11 and three. This is also despite uh, having some drama. Uh, between two of their star players, Draymond Green and also Kevin Durant. Uh, they seem to have a big fuss a couple nights ago. I think actually yesterday night in their overtime loss to the Clippers. Uh, there was some, uh, there was a miscommunication. Uh, it seemed that uh, Draymond wanted the ball um, and uh, Kevin Durant didn't want to give it to him. And they went at each other. And apparently Draymond Green kept calling them uh, all type of bitches and all type of other derogatory stuff. So, I don't know just how serious it is. Um, if it is, it's kind of weird because, you know, it only took about a year for all that stuff to manifest. And uh, also, Draymond was the guy that hit Kevin Kevin out, Kevin Durant up for him to come to Oakland. So, uh, I would be very shocked to see if these guys really had some type of issue. I think they were just caught up in the, the heat of the moment. They really wanted that win. I kind of like it because you see... Uh, two grown men uh, wanting to be responsible for their team doing better. Um, hopefully, it doesn't take you know doesn't take them too far out of sorts. Again, uh, Draymond had to sit out tonight's game. Uh, it was conduct detrimental to the team. Uh, but again, I, well, hopefully for them, it doesn't take them too far out of their comfort zone. I don't see uh, where it affects them too much. Again, they kept the ball rolling tonight. Uh, albeit against an easier team to beat like the Hawks. But again, they're keeping it rolling. Hopefully, it doesn't cause them too much of a distraction. Uh, coming in second in the Western Conference, we have the Blazers, who are my Blazers, who are ten and three. Uh, we have the Nuggets, who are th third. They are nine and five. The Clippers coming in at fourth, who are eight and five. Thunder are also eight and five, but they are at fifth. We got at six. We got the Spurs seven and five. The Grizzlies are also seven and five. And then at eight, we have the Sacramento Kings, currently at eight and six. Go wonder. Go figure. I mean, that's the word. That's that's what I wanted to say. Go figure. Who would have thought that? Uh, moving on to the Eastern Conference, we have the Raptors. Uh, they are currently uh, twelve and two. We have the Bucks, who are at ten and three, sitting there at number two. At number three, we have the Sixers, who earlier this week acquired the services of 
one Jimmy Butler via trade. Uh, he was traded along with Justin Patton, a first-round uh, pick from 2016 who's at center. Uh, they traded them to Philly, of course, like I said. And in return, the T-Wolves got Dario Saric and um, Robert Covington, along with Jared Bayless and a second-round pick in 2020. Uh, so, you know, don't get me wrong. I think the Sixers got a good player. Uh, they have a solid defender, uh, somebody who can rebound a little bit. But uh, the T-Wolves definitely got people who can score. They got young bodies. Robert Covington and Dario Sarge can both shoot the lights out. Uh, they'll be going up. They'll be going and playing up against uh, whatever. We'll playing with Ricky Rubio, somebody who can stretch the field and pass the ball a little bit. They also got Carl Anthony Towns who can get rebounds. They also got Andrew Wiggins who can score as well. So, you know. I, I like. I think both teams kind of won the trade. Uh, we'll see uh, just how far Jimmy can go. Again, uh, the loss of Jared Bayless and Robert Covington for the for the Sixers. That's some offense. Uh, I think you would have to move JJ Redick into the starting rotation. I don't know what that does with him and his energy at his level right now. He's in his thirties right now. Uh, but again, uh, I think a solid a solid trade for both teams. Uh, both teams are looking to definitely improve their position and, you know, make their players happy. Uh, Butler will probably uh, suit up tomorrow night against Orlando. And uh, another thing about all their contract discussions, there cannot be any of that till after the season. So he's definitely in line for a long-term contract, but none of those negotiations can take place right now. Uh, he's due for a contract uh, that'll be about four to five years in length and also uh, worth about 141 to 190 million dollars. It depends on whether or not they want to sign you to four or five years. Currently, he's averaging 21 points a game. I'm talking about Mr. Butler now. 21 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, and he also is scoring from 37% from three. Uh, he's also scored 20 points in eight games this year. So, again, I think both teams. Uh, won the trade. They both got uh, reliable offensive players, reliable uh, role players. If you're talking about the Timberwolves, they got somebody like Jared Bayless who can move the ball up the field, uh, up the court, excuse me, can pass the ball, can distribute, and can also shoot as well. So, again, I don't really see where anybody lost this trade. I like the trade for both people. Uh, again, I, I still did not like Jimmy Butler's approach about getting this trade to happen, but he he better be happy now. At at uh four in the east we have the Pacers who are at eight who are at eight and six. At five we have the Celtics who are at seven and six. Uh, at seven, uh, sorry, we have five. We have the Celtics who are seven and six. At six we have the Hornets who are at seven and seven. At seven. At seventh place, we have the Pistons, who are six and six, and finally bringing up the rear, we have the Nets at six and eight. All right, y'all. So we're gonna wrap this up for tonight. Our next show, we're gonna have like uh, we're gonna do it like we usually do. Of course, the war on the street. In terms of the NFL, uh, like I said, whatever news we come across. Also, we're gonna have three questions for the upcoming week, week twelve. Uh, like I said, for college football, we're gonna finish up those conference standings, going over the uh, the minor conferences and. Division One, of course. Uh, also, we'll be going over uh, some more of the top ten, just some teams on the outside looking in 
on the playoff picture. Uh, we might also even go over some Heisman candidates as well. I'll also be uh, checking in on some offseason action for the MLB, uh, checking in on that, those uh, free agency races. Of course, Bryce Harper is available. Manny Machado is available. We'll be talking about that as well. And, of course, we're going to be going over whatever NBA action that comes across as well. And uh, also... Uh, before I forget, I have another review uh, mapped out for you guys. I pretty much have it all written out now. I'll just be fine-tuning it over the next couple of days. But I have been working on a review for Scary Movie 2. Uh, I saw it recently again uh, for the first time in a few years. I just wanted to you know, see if it still held up in terms of the comedy and everything. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that in a couple of days too. All right, y'all. So once again, if somebody hasn't told you yet, I love you. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I enjoy I enjoy uh, speaking to you guys. I enjoy uh, sharing these ideas with you, and hopefully, I continue to inspire you people. Uh, once again, I love you, and uh, be good to each other. Peace out, and good night. This is never out of bounds.